welcome welcome to the ben around podcast episode three with myself dan formless in london as, as always and ben bowler the star of the show who's always in a he's always in a different place yes and now i'm hearing myself no that was me that was me i had it open and the live stream open yeah i'm uh i'm coming live from tbilisi from my terribly uh basic live streaming setup that causes dan to hear himself introducing us i'm hearing so many repetitions it's brilliant i found another one second here we go i think i'm now clear and i can just hear your your intro and myself yeah perfect we're good you wouldn't believe that i pass myself off as a pro at this stuff yeah i mean however good your camera and lighting looks you can still uh, get caught out by having the live stream open in another tab on two browsers <laughs> in three, di three different tabs yeah. so um yeah we're, we're live streaming experts you can trust us yeah so you're you're uh you've got a great excuse you you're cycling around the world and you're having to pack light and so you're just using a mac laptop yeah um got go a on. mac laptop the microphone in it is the best one i have so uh you're currently coming out of the speakers in the laptop and i've got nothing plugged in and i'm using for lighting i'm using my normal phone <laughs> just propped up so if that runs out of batteries at any point then i might plunge into darkness um, being three hours ahead of you it's already sun the sun has already set here yep so it's just coming up to nearly five o'clock here and so you're yeah you're eight o'clock um i hope we don't uh, hold you up too much and you, you did you eat did you eat yet i'm going after this there uh, we go so if you start flagging we know to stop if you just keel over yeah let's get something going um so yeah so last time um we caught up you were in uh sofia in budapest uh, we tried to catch up as you arrived in Turkey, but there wasn't great internet there. So you've since travelled all the way across Turkey. Yeah. Um, which people might just go, oh yeah, Turkey. But when you look at it on the map and when you cycle across it, it's it's a bit bigger than most people anticipate. Yeah. So it's unbelievable, really. In the first leg, which we chatted about in Sofia, I'd I'd ridden for twenty one days, um, about two and a half thousand kilometres, I think, across Europe, and that was. Um, through 12, through 10 different countries um, over those 21 days. And then from when we last spoke in Sofia, I did make a, a few little detours for some tourist sites and some paragliding spots, but I've now um, exceeded 6,000 kilometers and um, all of that in one country, which is Turkey. So yeah, you're right. If you look at it, basically Turkey is the size of most of Western Europe, in, in, particularly in width. Um, so yeah, definitely hit the real beginning of the adventurous part of the trip, I have to say. And, and is it hilly? Yes, definitely. It's the, one of the most hilly countries in the world. It's, it's kind of what I imagine. Um, yeah, yeah and, and it has this um, incredible history of the the Ottoman Empire, who basically were one of the the most successful and powerful and long-standing empires in kind of modern history. Yeah. Um, so my my uncle actually writes books all about it, and, and really? uh, yeah, yeah, he. Um, he's considered a world authority on it in fact and he has a book coming out soon oh. uh, i'll mention it when it comes out <laughs> but, um he's he's signed to penguin so he's got to be successful right yeah yeah uh, yeah but i i often find loads of parallels with 
him being a writer and me being like making music and DJing, there's all these parallels with dealing with publishers and agents and, sh and stuff like that. It's just <laughs> a nightmare in the publishing world. Yeah, there's all, it's always the same. They've got to make their margin. Um, so speaking of making a margin, uh, what are you doing there? You, you do it because you've, again, recapping slightly, you're, you're not only cycling around the world, you haven't only, uh, brought your bike, you've brought your paraglider as well, which is not a fixed wing. It's kind of like a parachute as, as a, a layman would see it. They've so been jumping off hills as you go around and getting amazing 360 videos on your Insta 361. Yeah. Um, and uh, you're also involved in a number of projects, not just one with me, where we offer live streaming and videography <laughs> solutions. Most of them look like I look and less of them look like you look right now although i'm wearing big silly headphones and you're you've got nice in-ears so i'm working mm -hmm. on that um i'm just quickly going to say what i'm using so i'm using a nikon d3300 with a black magic ultra studio mini recorder capture card uh, it's a standard lens on the nikon i've got a zoom h4 um field recorder which i'm using as a mic and a sound card and i would recommend if you even if you're traveling around the world it is one of the best audio devices to have uh, when you haven't got space. It's a sound card. It's a pretty decent device. Well, luckily, when we were setting up, you you pointed out that I sounded like a chipmunk, and <laughs> I was able to change the setting for the sample rate. Um, but it, it is a fantastic bit of kit, and you can pick it up for under a hundred quid secondhand. Oh. Um, maybe I should maybe I should get on one of those. Maybe, or actually, we do it. I'm going to make a bit of noise now, but we can do an endorsement of Evermix. <laughs> Oh, um, yeah, I met those guys. Yeah, they're nice guys. Um, Have they sold any yet? Uh, I, I'm not selling them. I'm not reselling them. They, they gave me one to trial, these mix boxes, which you can connect. Yes, the point of those is you can live stream a DJ set, right? Um, yeah, yeah. And if you had a DJ booth or something to work with, with a with, you know, mic in it and everything, it just allows you to connect your phone. Yeah. I'm just trying to make you broadcast off your phone, really, because you're, you're my guinea pig out there. Yeah. Um, my dream is we both have Bluetooth, head, Bluetooth headphones with the, the little mics in, in, included in them. And um, we've got our, both got our Insta361s with great reception. And we just we just live stream in this Google Hangouts setup and people can look around what where we are. And we, we won't be in an office. We'll be kind of outside doing stuff. Or... Yeah, because yeah. I mean, right now I'm in the uh, Impact Hub in Tbilisi, which is all right, but uh, much better if I was wandering around outside to say. And what is the Impact Hub? It's like a co-working co space? Yeah, co-working space. So one of the reasons why I really it didn't work out to stream in uh, in Turkey is that I was in Oludinis, which is a real tourist hotspot. So um, there's no chance of anything like this co-working space-wise there. It was full of sort of tourists from Essex there on holiday, <laughs> shirtless and sunburnt. Um, and I was the only one who was there for like, for, for trying to work um, so the internet connection there was terrible. Um, so now I'm trying to plan a trip around having real places to stop where you're around people that are trying to work because I think that's, that's an important part of the trip for me. It's not just the adventure and the, uh, the paragliding side of it. There's also just general life. I'm working on a few projects that I can't quite announce yet uh, from, the, from the business side. And, um, and studying for your degree. And studying for the degree, yeah. One of the things I found, got my results back, and I passed my maths, uh, my statistics, sorry, exam for for my 
um, degree, which is a good news. And then this year I'm working on towards economics and maths uh, modules for, uh, for that, which I've got to start studying actually this month. Um, so that's like distance learning essentially through LSE. Through LSE um, University of London. Yeah. It's a, and, good, it's a good one. And, it's a lot of work. I realize I have, because I, I never went to university originally when I started my first company back in the day. And I sort of fell in for that um, fetishization of dropping out that you get amongst techies. And uh, actually now I have a lot more respect for people that went to university because it's hard work. It's a lot of material. Um, I, yeah, I kind of hold a different opinion because I obviously now take it for granted because I graduated nearly 20 years ago um, <laughs> and I did a business studies degree in a top five business school. I was the last year that got grants. We got paid to go to university. <laughs> Wow. We didn't even have fees back then. And I remember saying to my mum, I might just take a year out. And she said, you will not. You will take that grant. You're the last year and you'll, you'll make the most of it. Wow. And um, But however, I, I didn't, maybe because you're doing it this way, you're valuing what you're studying for a lot more than, than I did in, in the beginning. Having uh, to study statistics and quantitative methods yeah. in, in the first uh, year. And the, the pre-Christmas pop test to everyone uh, caught me off guard let's say and um i remember getting my paper back and um i got seven percent wow and and uh the, the lecture had circled the way i'd spelt quantitative and written you should be ashamed um, <laughs> <laughs> that's harsh that's particularly harsh uh, but it was well deserved and um yeah. yeah i knuckled down towards the end and got a two one so but also i feel, feel like everyone else that we were studying with wasn't really taking it seriously and you haven't got yeah. that to worry about well uh, i think the distinction for me is that i've now the, the one of the one of the main reasons other main reasons i didn't really go to university at the time is that um i couldn't didn't couldn't really see the point of it really at that point when i was working already and making money and uh and see so yeah, i'm working on bigger projects that actually excite me in the real world um but now i've come back to it from a point of i'm learning things that i really want to actually know about okay apply to future projects so i come from a much different angle to, to to the angle that most people come to to university really most of my friends and, and peers um just went to university because that's the next step right so um uh, my, my family always said just get a degree and then you can do what you want and no one can take that degree away from you that's i actually wrote that quote down when you said that because i think that's quite a good quote once you've got it, no one can take away from you yeah, it's, it's one of those, it, I mean, I, I say I take it for granted. I, I came out a bit disillusioned, uh, but happy that I'd learned how to knuckle down and answer questions properly and be yeah. ba be less unbalanced than I maybe was then. Um, and I did realise that I'd learned a lot as I began to apply it in the real world and realise no one else applies uh, that. And um, yeah, in, in the real world, people are always just flouting the, I don't want to say rules, but the, the well-researched, uh approaches to to doing things people just just cut corners everywhere or they haven't yeah. got the budget um but yeah i mean why not get a degree now you've been i would from my position you've been really successful in all the other things you've done you, yeah. you you've done more than most graduates um <laughs> would do so you're just kind of doing it the, the other way around when yeah. you maybe got more perspective and more value yeah. of what you're learning that's that's why i'm doing it really because i want to kind of break out of the of the obviously i've done a lot more than just just be a practitioner of of uh, web development and coding i have also built other things and and 
uh, come at it from the system side, but now I want to learn much more perspective about the world to then apply those skills to, because otherwise the next business will always be in that chain of music and technology, which is fine, but it's, uh, it's, it's, I've reached the limits of that, I think, um, of what interests me. So I'm going to take it beyond there. It's part of the world trip really as well, seeing, seeing how people live in different parts of the world and um, part of the degree as well. I'm, I'm going to try and build in a volunteering element and, uh, and go and work for some, some good causes uh, later on once I'm in my second or third year. Anything else in, have you got in mind, uh, you know, are there specific causes you'd like to work with or, or charities or? Well, part, part of my uh, kind of background reading for the economic side is uh, a, a comp, uh, organizations like the UN and the IMF, which is always, it's actually quite, the IMF's got quite a good podcast. Um, they use, they had a report um, about the economy in Jamaica recently and they put, hilarious bit of stock reggae music at the at the beginning which i just yeah it made me crack up massively but um uh, those are the kind of organizations I'm, I'm looking at volunteering for um i mean they're massive and they're they're completely global so there's so many different elements that you can go into um and would, and would you work for them in, afterwards or are you still on your kind of uh uh your, your quest as a entrepreneur and um what, what's what's the mindset that's what that's what the degree kind of leads into. That's what most people kind of do after or are aiming for as their goal afterwards, um, particularly because it's focused on development, um, international development. But personally, well, you never never know. I can't speak too far in the future, but I think I've always have a bit too much of an independent streak to go on and do that as the uh, go and work for such a massive bureaucracy as as those companies. Well, uh, you know, having you just said about the the, the selection of the uh, rather cliched music, it's music to my ears that you don't want to go and work for the IMF or UN because names. I don't know if they've got such a great name, you know, out uh, there's there's a few things they might have done that aren't necessarily in the best interest of the people that they're supposed to be helping. Yes. Yeah um i learned quite a bit about the art oh my my camera's gone off i think uh you've been going for 30 minutes then is that three i think it's 30 minutes yeah i'm back i'm back um yeah no i'm glad i'm glad that's not on your agenda um and what, what else let's move on to something else um yes, i mean the one the one thing that i was going to try and chat about last time with the uh when we failed to do a stream from turkey was just the fact that I've hit the first kind of big struggle from uh, I got food poisoning from uh, a salad in Istanbul, which made me really, um, I just felt so stupid afterwards because I'd sort of prepared so much about all these, you know, I've got water filters and purification stuff and always drinking bottled water, all this preparation that I'd done to be in these countries. And then as soon as I get out of Europe <laughs> into Turkey, I, uh, I immediately get food poisoning. And it was in the most remote part of the trip so far. I was about um, I was about uh, 100 kilometers from the ferry point where I got off from Istanbul, and um, and uh, it was in these really remote villages because I was going a bit of an untraditional route. There was no real highways. There were gravel tracks going through um, mining towns and little tiny remote villages with not really that many shops around. And uh, suddenly I was kind of taken down with this illness and I had to um, I had to try and work out what I was going to do. At one point I 
was really weak. I was only be able to, I was only able to kind of push the bike and I rolled into this village to try and get some food and some clean water and there's just no shops in there. So I ended up getting taken in by, uh, by basically a variety of local people uh, who gave me somewhere to sleep and, and some, uh, some food from the garden and some fresh water. And uh, they hunted down the only English speaker in the village to come and figure out what I was doing there in the first place and, uh, and try and work out if I need to lift anywhere or, or any help. But um, yeah, that was the real kind of the first real time I realized how uh, crazily remote I've been at various points <clears throat> and how potentially dangerous it could be to be kind of out in these places with no, uh, no support. But it, that, that, that's kind of the, the thing that I imagine you went on this journey for to kind of have this experience to meet locals, the, the almost stereotype of them taking you in yeah. and, uh, and everything is exactly what I pictured anyway of like, of this. Yeah, it's, it's the thing that you, it definitely is after the fact. <laughs> At the time, it's really not a, not a great feeling. Like I spent, I spent the, the day after that, I'd spent literally just sitting out under a tree for most of the day, just eating continuously, drinking, trying to get back up strength. Um, and then I headed into, uh, the next day I headed into a hotel. Um, finally, after about, it was only, it was less than 100 kilometers away, which I normally do in a single day's ride. Um, but because I was so weak, I kind of hopped. I could only do that over about three days um, to get to the nearest town uh, before I could recover. So at the time it's not, you know, it's not, doesn't feel great, but um, it's good for like overall um, feeling that you, people will help you wherever you are. That's the, uh, good side of it i suppose um and would you have any tips for someone like if if you are traveling around the world in remote areas and you do get food poisoning yeah do you have, do you have any tips is it just is it just like lay lay low don't try and get moving again too soon make sure obviously you're you know getting lots of fluids in you but any any other sort of gems you've got for us um i mean yeah the I got I prepared with like various medication beforehand, which didn't do anything. If I'm perfectly honest, it really just um, just didn't actually make much help. I kind of had to keep going because there's not much else I could do there. Um, so I didn't really find out anything else. I think the biggest thing I realized is that you can actually keep going. Um, like the body, you have regardless of being ill, I could still manage to make 20 or 30 kilometers a day just by walking with the bike and rolling down hills and things like that. So um, definitely prove that there's more, there's more, you have more strength in you than you realize, I think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you've, got, yes. you've got some reserves. You might have used a few of them up, but yeah. And you're back up to full health now? Yeah, absolutely. Since I stayed for two weeks in southern Turkey and then carried on the road, I've really built up incredible strength, actually. I was, I've been, since I got to Tbilisi, I've been um, really thinking back to how I felt in the week before I left uh, for my ride out in London. And I was quite ill there and as well and stressed and tired. I had the exams then and everything. And uh, I couldn't oh, yeah. really think how strong I would be at this point. Um, I've been climbing, climbing 2,000 meter high passes several times a day across Eastern Turkey through this unbelievable scenery of, uh, of all volcanic mountains and remote passes and um and I've, yeah the f just feeling absolutely incredible but still my bike's still about 40 kilos something like that i've dropped some weight but not uh not not the ma the majority of it um and now yeah i'm really uh 
really hit my stride actually by the time I got here to Tbilisi I could have just carried on I think um, out through the mountains but um, yeah yeah really really strong and recovered. That's good to hear and um, yeah we, we were trying to have a running theme of, of me questioning you about if you've uh, dropped any weight off the bike um, because when you when you left I think you said you had like we we love geeking out but you said you had like 13 or 10 10 or 13 um usb cables all the same oh. one yeah like, yeah what what have you what else have you dropped to so I, dr I dropped most of my stuff like early on but actually and actually i think i went too far this oh, time because i um i originally had sandals with me um which i couldn't even fit in any of the bags because they were so full um so i threw those away along with all a lot of other stuff um and then as I was coming, another one of my ailments, as I was just recovering from the food poisoning, I um, one of my feet started really hurting. I couldn't work out why. So by the time I got to Turkey, I uh, to the southern Turkey where I stayed in Oludinis, I went to a doctor there, and he pulled three thorns out of the bottom of my foot from one of the camp the campsites that I was staying in. Obviously, I because I'd just been walking around in bare feet in the evenings, and uh, yeah, that was an example of something where I'd I'd kind of overly. Uh, got rid of stuff. So at that point, I bought some sandals and I'd, I hadn't walked around barefoot for a while because I had my foot in a bandage for a week. Luckily, I wasn't going anywhere at that point. Um, but uh, yeah, that was something where I saved weight and then it was a bit too much. So now I think I've reached a nice kind of peak point where there's a lot of space in the bags now, which is good. Um, and especially now it's getting colder, I'm wearing a lot more of the clothes, which means um, there's a lot more space in the bags. Um, but I think I've reached the reached the peak point. Now I'm trying just okay. not to buy more stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So note to self, you are not a hobbit. Yes. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, I, I feel a little bit guilty. Maybe I uh, made you made you throw them away by saying, "See what what weight you're going to drop next." <laughs> well, it's really funny. Cause I've I met um, I've met a few cyclists on this leg who are doing um, different trips, and someone. <laughs> Um, linked me to this guy also from England um, who's cycling with Instagram account Prestige World Tour I think he's cycling around the world in 300 days or 290 days and he's um, his whole kit weighs eight kilograms which is the same weight as just my paraglider I think I think you've okay. just uh yeah this is like it's like going on the Strava app isn't it and then uh, you think you've done a good good run and then some other guy's just done like a sub four minute 15k or something like it was nothing yeah. um, the danger of uh, Instagram I think you, you find out there's a lot of people doing crazy things on there <laughs> yeah yeah but they're not studying for a degree uh, paragliding no. uh, working three jobs yeah. Um, and uh, yeah and, I, you need, and you need sharp shirts like this, you know. If you're going to stop somewhere for a month, you need, uh, you need shirts and trousers. That's my excuse anyway. Oh, uh, right. Yeah, it's, it's just the bow ties and stuff that you really need to ditch now. Um, <laughs> have you ever even worn a bow tie? I haven't actually. Uh, oh, no, I, I have once when I was yeah, uh, I doing like fancy dress, I think. Okay. I wore one seriously. <laughs> Professionally. <laughs> Brilliant, brilliant. I'll go with your crew necks, would it? Crew necks, yeah. Oh, don't know. I'm not. I I got banned from those a while ago. No. Um. Uh. Oh no, the V necks is what I was thinking. You know, the, oh, yeah, pl yeah. the plunging, the plunging V. Plunging v. I haven't haven't got enough chest hair for that. No, no. Um, <laughs> so um, so.
do we want to talk any more about Turkey or should we start talking a bit yeah. about the only other sort of um, interesting experience I had, well, not the only other interesting experience, the one that I've been thinking about a lot more recently um, just is the fact that when I first w ventured towards Eastern Turkey, I was advised by people I met on the road and books I read and blog posts to be um, worried about these big kind of dogs that are there, basically. Uh, but interestingly, I had a bit of an opposite experience where I really I had to be worried about the local kids. <laughs> um, the dogs I sort of got used to because I noticed that I got chased a few times, a couple of times where it was really like the dog seemed really aggressive. And sometimes you can see the tail wagging and they, they never come too close, especially if you're in a town. Oh, yeah. But when you're more remote, they do definitely chase after you and come from a long distance as well to when they spot you. But I noticed from the locals, they, as soon as they see that happening, the locals will bend down, pick up stones and basically throw some stones at the dog. And sometimes if you just, if they just bend down, the dog notices and they're kind of used to that so they they run away so i kind of got used to the fact that if a dog came towards me i'd just stop the bike unless i was going really fast and i was yeah. anyway bend down to pick up a stone maybe you have to throw it if it's a bit of an aggressive one otherwise it'll just go off into the curve um so i was happy with that actually i was quite glad because i was a bit worried when i was reading all these these reports of people getting attacked but what i wasn't prepared for is the the kids in, uh, especially in the Kurdish part of Turkey, were definitely very, uh, very feisty. Over the course of a few days, I, I got uh, pummeled by stones from a bunch of like probably about thirteen-year-olds, fourteen-year-olds who were like on a Sunday just standing by the side of the road with nothing to do. I came like cycling past, waving, saying, uh, saying Marhaba, uh, saying hello, and then. They sort of all were standing there quite straight. And then just as I came past, they like all had little bits of gravel that pelted me with it as I went past. I was just absolutely, I didn't really know what, what to yeah. do at that point. Um, I think, yeah, it's a bit interesting choice because I imagine that I if it was like a Russian cycle tourist doing, and they pelted stones at them, they might like roll off and get out a knife and start chasing them down. But anyway, um, and then the other thing is I had a lot of people shouting out to like try and scare me from vans, which you get in a lot of like London suburbs if you go cycling, but I haven't had that at all so far across Europe. And also at one point, someone shot like a cap gun out of the window at me while I was in Eastern Turkey. So um, by the time I reached the Georgian border, I was actually quite, quite pleased. It was the most beautiful part, the most remote, the most amazing mountains. I've never seen a 5,000 meter high mountain before. Um, and I saw lots uh, of really super high mountains in, in that part of Turkey. But yeah, the, the, uh, the younger people particularly were a bit, uh, bit uh, antisocial towards me. And the, older, the older folks still offered me tea every time I stopped and everything. But uh, yeah, a bit more feisty in that part of the world. That, that happened in Croatia as well, I think, didn't it? Something similar? Yeah, yeah. 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 there was some, a young kid that threw a stone at me in, uh, in Croatia as well. I think the, they just don't like, it must, I was trying to think what it's like to, to grow up in like a small remote Turkish village. It's, it must be... Like I, I must look like an alien to them. If you know, what I mean? I've got like my my bug eye sunglasses on. I've got uh, all it, like all my whole bike is probably more and kit and everything that I've got with me probably costs more than their family makes in the course of a year. So it's a pretty um, the the difference is really obvious in that situation. Um, it's interesting because some cycling can sometimes do the opposite, like because you you're kind of living fairly in a fairly basic way. Sometimes you can rock up somewhere and particularly with older people, you, 
you you get taken in and looked after because you're quite vulnerable in that respect but i think for some with some of these children you appear as like a total alien i got asked several times for cash in in that part of turkey as well and i think they have a lot of tourists in some parts um they asked if i was american and if i could give them a rolex was one of the things that that someone asked me um i'd be quite pleased if i could get a rolex so um, <laughs> but yeah that was a that was a bit of a shock i have to say but um something i wasn't quite expecting somehow but i suppose yeah, it's a feature it's going to happen um when you're doing this kind of thing it's happened in two countries now so you're gonna have to expect it to happen in a few more <laughs> Maybe, maybe maybe you need to have, I don't know like you don't want to be aggressive back but I mean the response was that I wanted to like get the get one of them by their ear and like pull drag them to see their like dead mum or whatever because yeah, yeah. you know the older family is much more um, respectful and uh, they've definitely got a real you know like a strong family culture there so I imagine if their parents were around they would never do that you know but, um, so I guess the thing is maybe you know how to say hello in each each language. You might need a, an extra phrase in your vocabulary. Maybe something like, or, or um, um, what would your mother think, or something like yes. that. Something like that. So just to shake, just to make them think for a second. Or they might be like, they might just then pick up bigger rocks and say, "I have no mum." <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Well, I mean, if it's only stones, it's it's not the end of the world. But yeah. yeah, it's quite funny. I I imagine trying to think of being a kid again. They're showing off to each other. They're yes. like, it, yes. and they're egging each other on, and there's a little bit of a pack mentality. Uh, absolutely. Um, or, or maybe they're just you know normally you throw stones at dogs, and they're just you know <laughs> maybe there were some dogs. Maybe there's some dogs behind you or something. Yeah. They were trying to save you. Trying to save me. <laughs> I mean, what else is there to do on a Sunday? You know, in a, in this in a small small town. Um, maybe you should have a bible and just hold the bible up and you know be, be that um what's it called missionary missionary uh, uh spreading the good spreading the good book i'm uh, quite sure that would go down <laughs> yeah you, you might get lynched yeah that um, might go um yeah you could you could have the holy book of the of, of each country just and then as soon as you get out of that country you can kind of ditch it swap it um, yeah yeah <laughs> um or maybe, like packs maybe. For each country. Yeah, maybe, maybe not. Maybe, maybe don't take any advice from me on the uh, on that front, at least. <laughs> don't worry, I'll take your live streaming advice, but not your... Uh, yeah, but I always try and offer some advice in these podcasts, but I, I feel like you're uh, way more experienced in this uh, area already. Well, yeah, it's something, it's one of those things, there's a kind of adage in, uh, in paragliding and flying circles as well, which is like, uh, I'm sure I remember it now, you've got to try and you've got a bucket of skill and a bucket of luck and you've got to try and fill your bucket of skill before you empty your bucket of luck. That makes sense. So, um, yeah, I like that. I like that. My, my, it's not as good, but my simple one I've said before is, uh, chance favors the prepared mind. Interesting. Interesting. I um, I'm sure, I'm sure it's some sort of, um, you know, wise philosopher or something, but I saw it on Under Siege 2 with Steven Seagal. <laughs> cool. Yeah, yeah, there's a, there's a lot about that, but I, that's what I'm doing now. I mean, I've, I've done this a little bit, but I'm, every time I go into a new country, I'm totally fresh. I've never been to that country before, so I'm relying on some skills and knowledge I have, but also just, you know, learning as I go along um, and following others really. And, uh, that's that is the benefit of things like Instagram and, and other people's blogs. I've got a little folder of 
of other cyclist blogs, which I've been reading, yeah. people that are ahead of me who uh, I can learn from in terms of uh, yeah. what my next big one when I get to India is, uh, do I need to bribe police yeah. <laughs> at various points? Um, the, the consensus is that I, as long as I haven't done anything wrong and I have the right papers, I shouldn't have to. I didn't, just might, you can just speed things up apparently uh, if you do. Uh, so, so you, in some you, South American countries. So um, you might you might need to have small smaller denominations of the currency and, and yeah. th not let them see your larger denominations of the currency. Because you're like, yeah, that'll do. Um, yeah. I, I, I actually heard from someone who used to throw parties in London. They they did a party in a quite a well-known space, um, not designated for doing parties. And they found out at 2 a.m. when the place was absolutely packed that the, the, where the council visited uh, and said there is no license for tonight. Yeah. They're like, yeah, but we we paid for the license. We and they're like, what, the venue, you didn't, know, we're meant to sort it out. They didn't. They didn't. They just took that cash. Wow. So well, it wasn't that much. Like to get the the license is really cheap. But right, right. Um, so this guy who I won't say who it was, but the, the promoter, I'll say his nationality is Italian. He managed to pay off the council person to just go away. <laughs> Wow. So uh, you can bribe council workers in Hackney Council. That's why I thought we were incorruptible and that, you know, that only happens in, play, in places like Italy and, and other countries. But I think we've just got um, a cleaner facade. <laughs> I, um, my problem with it, though, with anything like that is that I wouldn't want to. I'd be scared that I would not bribe enough and I just massively insult the person <laughs> and make things even worse. Because that that's the risk you make, having never been in that situation before. Um, I think they have to insinuate it or something. Or, or I tried to bribe a policeman once when I got caught speeding. <laughs> um, and he was, he was showing me that I was doing 99.5. Nice. And, and I was like, oh. And um, he said, yeah, if you'd done another point, if you'd have hit 100, um, we'd, we'd have to ban you instantly <laughs> and take away your license for like at least two weeks or something. Um, and they said, but you're just, now you're just going to get a hundred pound fine and three points. And I went, is that hundred pound fine payable now? Does that, is that the <laughs> fine or the points? Like I was like, can we, and, and he was just like, no, you're going to get sent everything in the post. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, try, I try, I try, I try, but you can, you can kind of dance around the subject without actually offering yeah. a, a bribe. You can, yeah. you can say, is there any way we can speed this up or something? I'm sure they'd say, yeah. oh, but. Was that when you were driving a Tesla, or was that another time? Uh, no, no. Um, I, my Prius, my 13-year-old black Prius that I named Tessa, um, I've just got a speeding ticket in that, doing 83 in a, in a 70. But but in fact, the, the, the speeding ticket, the original speeding ticket doing 99.5, I was in a clapped-out old Audi. I was, <laughs> I was driving up to London from Portsmouth with my friends and um, didn't, see, didn't see the concealed car. Oh dear. Oh dear. I don't think you're getting. I don't think you're going to be getting any speeding tickets. <laughs> no, I think that'll be hard. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Shall we try and do this photo thing? Have you got? Is this is now the time to to show yeah. people a bit of a slideshow? Uh, I mean, I think I need to talk. Hopefully, uh, if you you tell me when, but I need to talk a little bit so that your your whole screenshot doesn't show up whilst I talk the the screen of Ben's oh look it's come up anyway I think all oh, right I can see it yeah I can so see everything but I don't know I don't know if our viewers can see it oh. uh, but we'll find out we'll find out in the end yeah I'm sure uh, we'll see I mean yeah I'm I'm sharing these all through the daily diaries on the on the website 
So what, what is that website address? It's benbowler.com. Um, and I'm ben. also sharing links to videos there. Uh, I've started publishing my first, um, my daily, my uh, diaries, my video diaries. And I'm going to be launching a new video every week, like I said last time. Um, I've now got the first four episodes out, I think. Um, great. I've got, great. I've got an editing queue that's longer than my arm, but I've got about four weeks in advance, which is good. Um, so you can kind of go back in time to before while I was still in Europe, actually. I'm going to be at least about <laughs> at least four months behind, I think, publishing the videos, but um, hopefully I can catch up. So, okay, you're going you're gonna to select one and then start and, and talk through. I think, yeah. I think the amount of pictures you've got is intimidatingly... Oh, I wasn't uh, going to go I mean, I haven't really been very selective. I've just picked... I haven't even... Actually, there's not even a very good selection. What's the one of your bike? Let's see. Let's show people your bike. Yeah, let's just pick some random ones. Okay, so, yeah, go for it, go for it. Um, let's see if I can go backwards. So this is, uh, <laughs> I'm trying to think which one is good to start with. Yeah, so this is the bike. Let's see if Apple Photos works. There we go. Yeah, here we go. This is me climbing up a turkey. One of these, uh, you can't really tell the incline here because the, the, the photo's uh, flat, like to the you road. Can, yeah, you can see in the distance that it's obviously gone down a lot and then gone back up. It's like a ten percent gradient here, but yeah, here's all my crazy, uh, crazy bags. I've got some nice new uh, t hacks, bike hacks, which I might do a little video about for those bike nerds. Where I've managed to like, I've got part of a motorbike there where I'm mounting the bottle, the fuel bottle underneath the handlebars and stuff. My first aid kit's now under there. But um, wait a minute, a fuel bottle for what? For cooking? For the petrol, yeah, petrol stove. That's underneath the handlebars now. Which is uh, oh really man, why, why are you not building a little campfire every time and like you know toasting marshmallows? Can't you live <laughs> off marshmallows? Yeah, I basically yeah I haven't been living off a very good diet, but uh, that's it. I've also okay. got my little Eye of Horus on the bike there, which I got at the um, the Grand Bazaar in Istanbul. It's a lucky uh, lucky Islamic trinket which hangs off the front of my bike to um, to ward off. Uh, Evil spirits, although it hasn't really helped this way this much on this trip because of my food poisoning and the thorns I trodden and everything. But uh, and the stone throwing children and the stone throwing children, yeah. So I'm not convinced it really works for me. Well, but, it could have been worse if you hadn't had the eye of Horus. So yeah, true. So Maybe I, I should get a cross instead when I'm here. <laughs> What's that one of the the widescreen one? Yeah, you have got it up now. Like, yeah, this is, um, so this is Cappadocia, which is unbelievable. Wow. It's, I, I, uh, this is one of the top tourist sites in Turkey, and I, I took a detour to get here. Um, it's famous for a couple of things, one of which is um, hot air balloons. So every morning they have 150 hot air balloons that take off and fly over this valley. It's basically like a Grand Canyon-style valley. You can see, I don't know if you can see my mouse, but it's got the Grand Canyon-style kind of layers, and it's, a, it's oh, yeah. cut out through erosion. But the difference is that there's a whole town in here, and over hundreds of years they've cut, locals have cut houses into all of these kind of um fairy chimneys they call them little stone pillars basically and little churches are in there as well and they've, they're really intricate little houses i can't wait to put my video diary up from here because i managed to climb into one and they've got these sort of three-story houses with shelves and steps and handles and it's really amazingly intricately cut um, but unfortunately i picked the three days to be there where it was too windy so they couldn't operate the hot air balloons so I uh, missed my chance of uh, of getting a hot air balloon flight, which I was really disappointed about. Um, I've never been in a hot air balloon. I was looking forward to to getting to try it. Couldn't you have st couldn't you have stayed a bit longer? Um, 
I could have done, but the weather wasn't showing any signs of changing and I, I just wanted to get along. So I gave myself three chances to fly three mornings yeah. where I could have could have flown, but it was still bad weather. Um, and it was still bad weather for a couple of days afterwards. So I decided to leave in the end. But um, you've got to leave some things to do in the world. I can come back here at some point. Especially as it's a tourist destination, you could yeah, you could just come straight straight there. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of different buses and everything there from various parts of Turkey. So uh, I'll have to come back for that one. So that's actually quite a good uh, running thing we could have as well. So um, so far, what, where are the places that you'll probably be? You, you've said to yourself, I'll, I'll I'll definitely come back here for either because it's so amazing or because you didn't get to do something amazing that it's it's known for. Yeah. Um, well, I think. Sofia, uh, I, I really fell in love with that. I think a lot of that's to do with the people there and the fact that I stayed there for almost two months. Um, and uh, I, I was working and I made made friends, uh, Matt and Yella, who uh, there's some photos of them in here somewhere. They uh, they joined me for the first leg of, uh, of the trip uh, from from Sofia to Istanbul. Uh, yeah, that's what it is. But also the fact that it's uh here you go here's yellow so they had um there's a it's a capital city with a lot of the kind of new trappings of a kind of eastern european city lots of nice new uh new kind of hipster cafes and co-working spaces and a lot of people work in technology there um because it's got a good education system and a good um good little co good colleges for technology and things like that but within half an hour you can get on a bus on a public bus you can get to a 2000 meter high mountain which in the win in the summer uh, you can hike you can fly from there uh, in the winter there's snowboarding and skiing and <clears throat> chairlifts to the top um, and the whole country is really underpopulated so there's beautiful just beautiful empty countryside in the whole country uh, which is something that I enjoy <laughs> as a good balance from the sort of music and the culture and the, uh, the busy city center so that's definitely somewhere that I go go back to and you were saying they film a lot of movies there as well. There's yeah. like movie studios and... Um, yeah, um, one of the pilots I met uh, on the hill, uh, Paragoda Pilots, he's worked for one of these stunt crews. Um, they do a lot of the stunt work in Bulgaria as well as a lot of the just filming in general. Um, I suppose it's a lot of white people <laughs> that they can get for extras, you know, and Bulgaria as a country is very cheap. There's a lot of space, like I, like I said, so they can build big sets there. Actually, while I was flying once, I did a little mini cross-country flight and as I was coming down I was basically landing in a western set with a, a statue and all these sort of western style houses it was really really bizarre um, I ended up landing right next to it but uh, yeah it was it was really funny to see and um, they've got really really fast internet there I, I heard yes yeah they've got so, uh, they're a good place all around to to, to work I'd say um, yeah, it's, I think a lot of people in the UK don't realise how back and beyond we are generally with our speed of our connections and stuff. Yeah. And like a lot of Europe is way, way faster. Um, and yeah, I, I think um, I, I personally was surprised when I heard how fast the, the connection is generally. What's happened to your bike there? So this is another thing that you had as your as your you had a punct puncture watch, right? Puncture watch. Well, so, yeah, out of six thousand kilometres plus now. I've now had my first two punctures, which were both actually caused by the same thing, which is um, it's interesting this photo's got a truck in the background because basically what happens is the trucks have got wire reinforced tires and when the when they wear down, little chunks of the tire come off um, and bits of metal wire basically are all over the road. So 
these tires I've got are absolutely incredible and um, yeah, I've made it a ridiculous distance, but I, I actually pulled out again in my video diaries, I, I got a video of it with pliers. I pulled out this like two centimeter bit of metal wire that was pushing through my, uh, my inner tube. But since I repaired that and I've avoided as much tire debris as possible, I haven't had any more. So I'm, I'm still doing pretty well. I think one puncture every 3000 kilometers, I can live with that. Yeah, shout shout out to the tire manufacturer. What's what's the name of? Uh, <laughs> shout out to sh the Schwabler Marathon Plus. Uh, you, should these... you should definitely put a link to that tire in in the yeah. description of this because uh, I think that's incredible. Um, and I think uh, people who drive who don't ride bikes, um, they don't really fully understand that they they complain that cyclists ride in the middle of the road yeah. and they want them to ride right on the edge of the road. And obviously there's a happy medium, but um, it's no fun and games if you're right in the, the gutter, so to speak, of the road, because um, that's where all the debris kind of rolls up and, and stuff like that is. Yeah, that's where all the crap is, absolutely. Yeah, um, that's where all the wire is and the potholes are and everything, yeah. So my camera just went off again, which means, I guess, that, I think we've done 40 minutes, I'm guessing. I think um, point. so we can do some of the rats little wrap up bits what um what have you what have you been up to you said you're you're heading off to japan again soon i'm going back to japan um i did go there for sakura so i, I was there to see the cherry blossom and i was told i was very lucky uh, apparently it was a very good year for it um no no rain at all the orange the orange leaves pink like really pink or really white and um just uh, completely abundant over all the trees so and while i was there i was told well there is another season that's really amazing it's kind of in autumn when all the leaves come out so i'm trying to i'm trying to go and get that uh a, a hit of that there's um the people might have heard of mutech which is an electronic music festival that happens in major cities in canada and they've, they've begun doing uh, a tokyo edition uh, for Tokyo dance music event. So I'm missing Amsterdam dance music event. I'm leaving before that starts. I'm, I'm missing the International Radio Festival. And this is partly because I've been very fortunate to be invited to, to both for many years in a row. And um, I'm trying to push myself out of my comfort zone and trying to do stuff that's, that's like what I really want to do rather than serving the, you know, the station Hoxton FM that I created six years ago. So I'm just trying to, trying to do different stuff. Um, I've kind of become a used, well, no, a, a, mix, uh, a rotary a mixer salesman. Well, this, this one, this one, I've had kind of customized a little bit by the inventor, but I should show you British built, British designed. Uh, oh. If I hold it up without throwing it out of the case. <laughs> yeah, damn, before you. That is, yeah, and um, wonderful bit of kit made by Super Stereo. Uh, shout out to Duncan, the inventor. Um, I, I did get my grubby mitts on one a while ago and I, I took it all around uh, to Barcelona during Sonar Festival and did live streams from um, a number of cannabis clubs and um, and also from some record shops. My Wax Hunter shows some record shops happened there. And I, I'd love to do the same thing in um, Tokyo and hopefully Osaka. I'm going to get another Japan Rail Pass and actually use it properly this time and, and do a bit of traveling. And I'm kind of taken by going to Okinawa, but I've just looked it up on the on the map, and it's 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 virtually in Taiwan. Um, but it's going to be like a completely different kind of version of Japan. Um, the girls are meant to be the most beautiful in Japan. There, it's 
it's um it's one of the places that often some of the kind of vegan guys that are always uh, professing how great veganism is they use research that was done on the people of okinawa uh, to show that when they weren't eating any dairy or any meat their life expectancy their quality of life everything was significantly higher and Has then when naturally uh they, they that was their natural diet and then the uh, the americans uh, built a big air base there and uh be began introducing their diet there and as their diet came in things like cancer and and you know heart, heart attacks increased as, as it as it changed so yeah. i don't know how you, good that is as a, a, a as research but it's interesting and, and it's insanely beautiful yeah. um so I'd, I'd like to try and go to there um nice. I, i've got um what else am i doing over there? out there live streams booked out there already or um i i'm yeah i, I it is really um something i wouldn't have even dreamt of but uh dom Yoon, uh who did live video streaming before me before boiler room before everyone really they, they were doing it um in, in a really kind of fun way with their jumpers um, i'm a fan yeah, of that. You're, very you're a fan of it i'm I, <laughs> you're I, not a fan uh, um, it's very yeah. japanese though you have to admit it right the, the guy who does it is an absolute legend and yeah. um he like you know i'm saying uh, um it was hard running a studio he's i always had help he does it virtually single-handedly mm -hmm. and he also lectures at the local university in like videography and everything and he's definitely got his style and i think it does work because you just you just accept it but we're going to do we're going to do a takeover evening where we um we program all the content and uh he's live streaming it through domune and we can uh simultaneously live stream that stream that through hoxton fm and uh, i'm super excited about that and it, it I think the whole thing is is my dream of going to japan i wanted to do all these things and i i maybe got to do 10 or 20 percent of the things i wanted to do but i was able to sow seeds and make contacts and and on my return i know there'll be other stuff that i'll be able to do so i'm, I'm waiting on a few bookings from some quite big clubs um shout out to my friend nick um from uh earworm he's like just you know such such a, a great ally over there um he he came and he played for me at one of my parties recently and stayed with me and and i was able to kind of return all the favors he did but now i'm going back to get more favors and um <laughs> uh yeah I, i'm gonna i think i'm gonna be out there for like a month man and nice. you know we can still do it'd be great to do another podcast while we're out there yeah i'll try and get one uh if you if you get get another stop um speaking of podcasts I've, I've kind of agreed with my, my best friend to do um, a podcast called You're Doing It Wrong uh, with the with the tagline, The Art of Breaking Bad Habits. Strong. I'm going to listen. Uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm really excited about it. And he's writing a book uh, about kind of basically each episode we do is going to be a chapter. Um, and, you know, from from the way you search for things, whether it's online or in your life or whatever, like how you're, I think we have a very blinkered mentality. Mm. Um, yeah, there's, there's, there's lots of, of themes. There's one that's gonna be on self-sabotage, which has really got me thinking because um, one, one of the other things that I've been doing um, is from having a radio studio for a long period of time, I'm now trimming down all the, all the stuff that was accumulated and rebuilding a studio at, at here at my place um 
the plan is to still be able to do radio broadcasts or certain t videos, live streams, um, but also to make music. So um, on the on the live stream front, I've kept the decks from the studio. I've got my own decks. So I'm having two DJ setups facing each other, <laughs> one, one this side, one this side. And um, they're, they're, we're going to set it up so people can battle. Nice. So I'm, they're, they're essentially all invited to come and battle me. I'll just have some, <laughs> ask some record players and my extensive record collection to yeah, play. Yeah. They get the CDJs and a set of record players as well. I use my little bespoke rotary mixer by Super yeah. Stereo, and um, we can we can mix into each other's music. We can I can let them play for a bit. They I can play for a bit. So that's quite quite fun. Nice. Um, on the music making front, I've bought an MPC, which is a legendary. Uh, instrument or tool that hip-hop artists in particular used to sample and sequence music um, and i've been getting lessons from um a very skilled proponent uh, named doctor who's got an album out on 2020 vision which you should go and check out um so i'm doing that and i've kind of i realized that the because i can basically because i've been using this rotary mixer in all these places all these people comment what's it what, what was it and um so I've been able to get one guy in Osaka. Uh, I've got one that I'm taking him. I'm taking my own one, but I've got a feeling that I might not be coming back with that. And my, I'm kind of dreaming about um, properly going and visiting the uh, the electronics shops uh, of Tokyo, which I kind of glanced. I stopped in. It was this thing of like, oh, I'm here for three weeks. I'll just look in. I looked at stuff. And then I was like, well, I can go and do that later. And now I'm realizing that when you go and visit somewhere, if you've got the stuff you really want to do, just go and get it done straight away. Like, like because you might, you know, if you're like, oh, I definitely want to fly in the air, air balloon, and the first day the weather was good, and then it gets bad for the next two or three, you've, yeah. missed, you've missed your chance. So it's like, have your hierarchy of what, what you want to do. Um, so I'm, I'm going to just uh, arrive and probably just sub submerge myself in um, geeky electronics. I, I want to try and buy some really rare synths and come back. Um, <laughs> fill, the, fill the mixer space with some synths. Yeah, well, yeah exactly exactly um so I'm, I'm pretty excited about that um i've actually the only reason i'll be coming back when i'm coming back is because uh, off the back of some of the gigs in uh, sonar i've been asked to go out and uh, play at a party in uh, grand canaria uh, no the canary islands and um live stream that um and then the following weekend uh basically do the same thing in um where is it in prague nice. uh so like it's it's really nice to kind of studios sort of allowed you to to take up these bigger opportunities for yourself i think it it has i think i've had to i'm still getting asked um basically people think that the that the station is closed when it's just the studio that's closed i'm still getting asked when i'm going to open another studio <laughs> and, and then i'm kind of getting told that there's a big hole in the scene because it's not there which I, I think is imaginary because there's some other great stations that have started since like nettle radio uh you've got some of the other guys you've got the big boys like nts and boiler room and um radar um but th there's plenty going on and um we still live stream from places like grow in hackney wick we did five parties this summer four of them in the sunshine outside and the last one the last one inside in in the warm um and uh we did we did a great live stream from a place called giant robot in canary wharf which is really known for bankers and and city types um 
but uh, Street Feast, who do, do some amazing spaces with lots of street kitchen vendors all in one place, they, they've just built this incredible uh, space. Ah, uh, and it's, a, not, it's not like all glass, modern glass. No, it's it's like second floor of this. It's like a kind of a, a building. It's at the top floor, but it's only the second floor. And there's like um, it's like a Garden of Eden on one part of the roof, wow. and it's kind of semi-covered. And you you walk through that, and then you get into this space with about five or six street kitchen vendors, yeah. uh, an amazing bar, loads of beers and everything. Um, if you check out my Instagram, you'll you'll see pictures up there. There's there's one where it's saying that it's giant robot cocktails, but they've got giant on one side and robot on the other. And in the middle, it says cocktails. <laughs> and uh, my producer, Val, uh, I, I completely, um, I, I love that he did it, but he just put up a picture of me with the words behind giant cock. <laughs> uh, so that, that's that's all over Instagram and stuff. Forever. You can, forever. You can yeah, you can check out Hoxton underscore FM on Instagram or, uh dan formless uh, on there as well and you can see a, a few things but um so yeah it's been kind of doing all those all those things um been trying to not self-sabotage i think i realized that everyone to a varying degree um trips themselves up yeah. and, and one of my techniques that i've realized is as i've bought this mpc and started to learn how to use it to sequence music in some weird way of self-sabotaging I've also started making music um, in the box, as they say, using software samplers and sequences and things like machine um, and started making some like music that I like even more uh, with my friend uh, Tilev, who has a studio in Canary Wharf, ironically, nice. um, but not in not in a Garden of Eden or anything in a, in a shed in his back backyard. Um, as a as a proud Bulgarian, he built it like with his own hands from Still. scratch uh yeah, so yeah so <laughs> shout out to till evan he's got a great label called subtatic which you'll probably see a few releases with my name coming out um and i'm sure i've missed a few things but th th those are the the things okay. that are exciting me right now self-sabotage is an interesting one i mean it's not quite the same but for me with the with releasing these video diaries it's very easy for me to kind of when I've got loads of other bits of work to do to, to kind of skip editing videos in exchange for actually just watching them, especially with YouTube is if you if I go to youtube.com to upload a video, I get pulled down that rabbit hole of watching other people's content. And there's so many incredible, amazing, intelligent people making stuff on there. It's, so uh, is there any, any channel in particular you want to shout out and draw people's attention to? Um, I've got a few suggestions that I could make. They're uh, they're very they're, they're all slightly kind of politicised uh, <laughs> channels, but um, we ha we made a good little good little selection last week. Your car one or last month, but oh uh, yeah. But for me, yeah, I've turned off the autoplay feature now so that I can actually spend more time editing my own videos um, for this for this channel rather than than spending all my time consuming and also looking at the numbers that other people get, even other pilots who are publishing videos and other other adventurers and cyclists that are posting videos it's always quite depressing so i've set myself a goal of regardless of what happens with numbers and i've had 50 percent subscriber growth last month but whatever happens in the future i'm going to uh i'm gonna not gonna stop publishing videos until i reach 50 which i think is quite a reasonable number i mean we've got three podcasts now 
Um, I've got about 10 videos already edited and five or six already on the channel now. So, and are, are you making playlists and then um, embedding yeah. those on your website? That's it, yeah. Yeah, because I think YouTube is not the easiest thing to navigate around. Even if you go on someone's uh, channel, it's yeah. hard to find stuff. And whereas I think the most effective is when people are being directed to your one, you know, benbowler.com and they can look and they can see everything all in one place. And it's kind of often given to them chronologically. Yeah, um, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm putting into different categories. I've, I've got a flying playlist and a and a leg one, leg two. I'm going to try and organize it that way. And uh, and yeah, share everything out as I go and stick to that weekly schedule. Playing. Well, well, what? So how many are you going to do a week? How how many? Should we make Should we make a pact about yeah. editing? Because. Uh, hands up, you know, I've got probably, well, I know I've got more editing to do than you because I've got three years, worth, maybe four years worth of interviews that I've been done and I've always kind of put off doing it. And it's one of those things is usually I'm only good at stuff that I'm really into, but yeah. I've realized I'm quite good at editing, but I'm just not that into it. But yeah. it's it's more mm -hmm. the procrastination around before doing it. And so this, this giant robot, I interviewed two street vendors uh, a w over a week before yeah. and then wasn't getting around to editing them. And yeah. I'm fully ready to confess that I, I finished editing the second one in the Uber on the way to the to the venue to do the live stream. Nice. And then we, we played those pre-recorded interviews edited yeah. um, at the beginning of the live stream. And um, what I've realized from doing, when you're live all the time, you have to just make do and you have to get on with it. And what it's made me realize is my editing is way, way easier for me because of the way I've filmed stuff. And it's really yeah. just get, you know, get your two camera angles, maybe three, uh, line them all up, get them in sync, get the audio that you've recorded separately, get it all in sync, and then go with your number one camera and wherever something, you know, their vocal uh, tick or they move their head. Um, and you happen to have already pre in a premeditated move, put a camera so they tilt their head and they're tilting to go face on on the side view. Um, it's quite easy. You can like let the the way that the whole flow dictates and just just yeah. go with it. And uh, before you know it, it's done. Um, yeah, I think the fact that we've done so much live streaming work is a benefit in a way because we, if you have to do it live, then you don't. It's, it's a very different thing. You you just have to go with what you've got. And there's actually such a great feeling about you know when we when we did. I mean, maybe the Boomtown stream is a bad example, but when you do a, a big festival stream, for example, and you press stop at the end of the set and you have a pre-mixed visual mix file that you can put on a hard drive and give to them there that night at 4am in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. Home. yeah. Such a great feeling. Cause you know, we've done projects where it takes weeks afterwards to, to cut the footage up afterwards. And um, then, and then they ask for a different version or can you yeah. do, just do this? Can you just do that? Whereas yeah. if, if it went out live, you're like, that's it. That's it. It's there. That's the file. And for me on these shorter videos, the one thing that I've really noticed is like, well, two things. Initially, I was trying too much to sort of really micromanage everything, trying to put little funny video text comments on the screen and stuff. And I just realized that at some point, I just have to get it out. So these first ones are pretty rough cut. Um, uh, there's not really, some of them don't, the story doesn't quite fit because I wasn't thinking about the episodes when I was just cycling because I was just recording what I was doing along the way. But now as I've got further along, I'm thinking much more about it. So as I film on the bike, um, I'm thinking much more in a live sense. So I'm trying to record a beginning, an intro to, to the next few days worth of whatever I'm going to be doing, a um, little bit as I go along and then a wrap up of how, how I felt about it, all this kind of stuff. And that makes it so much easier because I could just put all of that 
footage into one timeline and, yeah and then and then cut it trim it down quite aggressively to get it to to something that's hopefully interesting um i think all of this is stages as well so like i've got like i know with, with now making music i have to spend you know hours and days preparing my samples and getting everything lined up and getting it trimmed and ready and then i can load it up into the the mpc and sequence it but it's like these stages and i feel like the first edit you, you get all that raw footage and you get it into something that has a semblance you know the, the the audio is synced everything else you've got that and you can put that up on your youtube but when you maybe you do you know a summary of a whole uh you know the, the whole journey through europe or something you might take all those videos and take the best bits and edit those together and then put your animation or extra text over and, and stuff like that yeah but, um yeah i i think um it's just plugging away at it and i think we if we make this pack now what is it that we're going to do at least one a week we're going to yeah. one a week i mean i I'm, I, I'm I think i need to set a, I, I think we should have a, a at least one and what's the, what's the upper upper end of that should, well three, three between between one and three one to three yeah because I, I think if you do one once you do one and you feel kind of satisfied about it you've got that little bit of momentum there's this yeah this procrastination but once you get going, then you're like, right, I'm, I'm, I'm going. I'm going to do. I'm going to do more. Although um, for me, the main reason that I'm doing it that way is because I'm on the road every other month. What I'm doing is so I, when I was in uh, when I was in Turkey, I edited um, I edited seven, eight, nine videos in one go. Well, not in one go, but over the course of two weeks. And so now I've got a four week head start. So my so I already have enough videos to publish once a week until the end of the time I'm in Tbilisi. So while I'm here, but, I'm going to at least two, um, two months worth and then queue that up. Because you need, yeah, because all right, you've built your backlog, but you've you've got, um, you've, this is basically, you've got chunks of time where you're generating content yeah. and then you've got chunks of time when you can be processing that and editing it. Absolutely. So so this is your opportunity to get even further ahead. Yeah, um, that's true. I want to. I've got enough to edit. I want to get a lot, particularly paragliding videos. I want to get some of those out because I've not, not, um, not cut any, put any of those up yet. And, and I, I, I guess in some way you, you can like, because you were saying about da data and like storing and managing your data. You almost want to get that like, you know, one of those hard drives that's yeah. got all the raw stuff. You've, you've, you, know, you get all the raw footage from the edited videos. Stick that on a hard drive and post it to your sister or something. Yeah. Get it. Get yeah. it get yeah. it away get it out um i mean luckily again coming back to the, me getting rid of a camera all of the videos from my phone are already backed up in two places it's actually just the stuff on the insta 360 and the gopro that are actually dangerously only on one one hard drive which uh could die or be lost at any point but you never know you never know yeah. so i think we should wrap definitely definitely yeah, we've we've alluded to your podcast. Are you going to have a link to that? Once you're still, you haven't recorded the first episode, right? No, we haven't. And do you know what? We 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 might do another podcast before that one starts. Okay. Uh, so so I'm just sowing the seeds on that one. Nice. Um, I am very excited about it. And and my friend who wishes to remain uh, nameless, we're going to call him the producer. Uh, he won't even be on camera. He'll be just just in the wings um and he's got he's he's already written like three books he's he's really really interesting guy uh, always a very different perspective on things so i think and, and we both made loads and loads of mistakes in life and i think we've we've both got quite a, a good attitude to evolving and progressing and and um 
not making the same mistakes twice. So uh, hopefully we'll be able to share stuff with people that will benefit them. Nice. Yeah, well, once it once it's out, we can drop a link in the uh, YouTube description for that one. And uh, from my side, like I said, benbold.com for the daily diaries as well from the last 52 days. I've got a, a post for every single day, which I just published the last ones of uh, this morning. And uh, there's lots of photos and exciting stuff in there, not just texts about how I'm feeling and being rained on and having stones thrown at me by kids. Um, and of course, YouTube videos, youtube.com slash benbowler, where this is right now. Um, and yeah, I'm trying to think what else. That's that's most of it. We'll try and get another podcast out in the next month. Well, tell us, tell us what's so what's in store for you? How long are you in Tbilisi? What's the next stage of the 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 ride? Oh, so we're we gonna do another one before you leave Tbilisi? Yeah, we'll see if we can get one in. Maybe we can do a music focused one because there's some interesting music scenes here in Tbilisi and also in Istanbul, which we didn't I didn't get to talk about. Um some, I got to a cool party there, which I want to chat about, and uh, and got around the record shops and got some interesting music from from some cool sources there. So it'd be good to do a separate episode about that. Um, from here, yeah, I'm into BC working for a month, like I say. Um, I've unfortunately my Iranian visa uh, is is not some is not possible uh, from what what I want to do. It's been declined because uh, you have to have a full time tour guide, which isn't very conducive to. Uh, traveling by bike unfortunately so i'm currently in the toss-up between flying straight to mumbai in india um which would be uh which is where i was heading for after iran anyway or i've got an alternative which is very visa dependent again which is to fly to Jeddah in saudi arabia and cycle from uh the west of saudi arabia all the way across the desert to oman and the uae uh, which would give me much more time in the Middle East and uh, much more uh, of the Middle Eastern culture before I head into Asia. Um, but uh, it's very visa dependent. I have to, if you know anyone, uh, if you have any friends or family from Saudi Arabia that would vouch for you, yeah, uh... <laughs> then, uh, then please get in touch. Um, I've got a couple of links there uh, that I'm following up at the moment. But otherwise, yeah, that's the plan next. But I've got a lot of time here. So It'll probably be here that I will be. I'll be in the same place. Hopefully, I'll get the actual meeting room. There won't be people, those people there, <laughs> taking up my meeting room uh, for the next one. Selfish people doing business. How dare they? Exactly, yeah. Um, well, I think it's it's brilliant to have, have heard a little bit more uh, about your progress. And um, it's not all a bed of roses. Um, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, well, well, done, yeah. well done, done for uh, keeping on going and surviving food poisoning and... <laughs> people throwing stones at you. Uh, I was just wondering if you could have something in tow that you can just kind of throw off that, that just distracts them. Like it could be a Rolex or, you know, just something that, that, that they'll all go for and they'll fight over and yeah. then you can ride off into the distance. Um, yeah, I should just get loads of Rolex, fake Rolexes from uh, shipped to me from China and use those. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be brilliant. That'd be brilliant. Um, Cool, great. It's been really fun. Episode three of Ben Around the World with Ben Bowler and myself, Dan Formless. It's a wrap. Until next time.